Saturday morning cartoons were awesome. From the 1960s through the 1990s, we kicked off each weekend in a frenzy of animation that is unmatched today. But were these shows actually any good? Join us as we dig into the history of your favorite and not so favorite Saturday morning cartoons, look at the good, the bad, and the ugly of each one, and determine if our nostalgia matches the reality when it comes to these tunes. So stay in your PJs, grab a bowl of cereal, and settle in. I'm John. And I'm Robert. And this is Toon Talk. So John... Yeah, Robert. You know how sitcoms are, you'll have a character, whether it's a main character or like the, the goofy sidekick who has a... The comic relief guy. Yeah, it has the catchphrase that everybody like, oh, they kind of wait for it to be said. And then you hear the either the live action or the, or the I should say the live studio audience or the, the canned laughter always reacts to it. Like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. so funny. When you think of catchphrases, what jumps to your mind? What, what's your favorite catchphrase? Giddy up. Kramer on Seinfeld. I remember nice. giddy up. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I see. I thought you might say, hello, Newman. <laughs> hello, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> see, I always loved uh, Kiss My Grits from from Alice, you know, the, the waitress. Oh, yeah. Say, tell everybody. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ring up, dingy. Yeah, all that sass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's not like, you know, there's like the dynamite and mm-hmm. uh, what you talk about, Willis. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Classics. But uh, how about in cartoons? Do you have any favorite from cartoons? Well, what's like, up, Doc? Everyone remembers that. What's up, Doc? Yeah. I was, I was, I was loved. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Oh, Heavens sure. to Murgatroyd. Yeah, Exit from stage left. Yeah, from uh, Snagglepuss. Snagglepuss. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think the Captain Caveman. <laughs> that was a good one too. I think the most. Yeah, this is like a. I, I know going in, this is like a potential just like rabbit hole that we can get stuck in. Sure. So, so before we start falling, I want to just make sure that we talk about one of the most iconic catchphrases from cartoons and actually from primetime television, which is Yabba Dabba Doo. Yeah, Yabba Dabba Doo. <laughs> an iconic catchphrase that comes from a groundbreaking television show, a te- groundbreaking cartoon in the Flintstones, which yeah. which is going to be a really fun discussion for right. this episode. It's more like a rock-breaking yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> Too oh. corny. <laughs> uh, that's a little of a rocky transition, but it's okay. <laughs> but so, uh, <laughs> so I mean, we're, I mean, the Flintstones is this Hanna Barbera show that would debut as the first original animated series to air on primetime television, and it led to a number of different series and specials that would basically star the same characters over the next 60 years. So the story of the Flintstones begins not 2.4 billion years ago in the Stone Age, like right. the cartoon. which you're led to believe. Yes, well, yeah. even though it's somewhat modern, right. as they would say. Uh, it actually begins in the very late 50s through one man named John H. Mitchell, who was an executive with Screen Gems. Now, Screen Gems was a, distri- a cartoon distributor at mm-hmm. the time, and they worked actually really closely um, with Hanna-Barbera Productions. Okay. And so he suggested that they create, uh, that Hanna-Barbera create an animated series that could air during prime time that would appeal to both kids and adults. Sure. Thinking as a distributor, hey, we can, there's money to be made in this. Can you guys make it happen? Now, Bill Hanna and Joseph Barbera, now at this point, they're aware that their biggest cartoon going at that time was the Huckleberry Hound show. And 40% of that audience was adult, which is actually pretty significant. Well, yeah, you certainly, we see a lot of cartoons add humor that only adults get. Yes. But the attraction for the kids is the animation and the looniness. Yeah, and you know. and this is a series that's running on t- television to either, you know, it's the cartoons ran in the afternoons, the morning or mornings. They didn't show primetime when it's basically when ideally adults weren't around. It was right. just the kids. Yeah. But yeah, a significant percentage of this audience for the show is adults. So like, well, we know adults are interested. So right. let's let's explore it. And so they thought, look, if we have the right combination, we can tell a a good, a good character work and good story. This we can make this happen, and so they bandied ideas around and thought, well, we should make it a sitcom, a family-based sitcom because yeah. that's what's popular throughout the fifties. The biggest shows were you had Ozzy and Harriet, yeah. you had Leave It to Beaver, Lassie, things that were families could sit around. I and love watch Lucy. Together. Yes, yeah. so they like let's do this. Let's let's take that that tact and we'll move forward. And of course, at the same time, you look at there's westerns all over the place. It's it's family sitcoms and westerns, but they went with the family sitcom instead yeah. of the western, which is probably for the best. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for multiple reasons. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they looked at different characters and settings to try and make this thing work, and they 
they looked at, um, well, should we make them hillbillies? Should we make them pilgrims? Should we make them Native Americans? Which thankfully they didn't. Right. And then, I mean, they even thought, well, maybe we should put it in ancient Rome, which yeah. interestingly enough, Hanna-Barbera would actually do that 17 years later with the Roman holidays. Vastly oh, different. And yeah. Much shorter lived than the Flintstones, but it, they, they would eventually go, go there. But, right. Um, in the end, they, they settled on a prehistoric setting. And that was helped by a doodle by illustrator Don Gordon, who just had a picture of these two men in like animal skins, fur, yeah, things, fur later hosen. And sitting next to them is a record player that has a bird is playing it with its beak as the needle. And everybody's like, "That's hilarious! That's like a really funny gag." So like, well. You know, you have that, that bird is the element that cemented, yes, we should do this prehistoric because it's, there's so much possibility for humor and like these sight gags yeah. and, uh, you know, putting like modern sensibilities in ancient times is actually, yeah, we could, we could really work with it. Which confuses me. Yes. Yeah. Cause they're cavemen, <laughs> but they have recorded music. <laughs> and yeah, television and phones and... Yeah. Right, but that's what makes it hilarious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like you don't... Yeah, there's a lot of unexpected... What if cavemen had television? What would it be on? <laughs> well, and the fact that they just kind of pick up rocks and move them around with, no, without any problem. It's, yeah. Yeah, nothing's yeah. really that heavy. Bar, no. But, <laughs> they yeah. were stronger than us. <laughs> <laughs> so, they development begins in 1959. And they originally came up with uh, the name The Flagstones. They're like, let's... Let's work with that. Uh, and the concept, it moves along and it pulls, they find out that it's pulling heavily uh, an influence from the Honeymooners. Yeah. So throughout the 50s, the Honeymooners was a very popular skit on the Jackie Gleason show, became its own show, show uh, I think in 1955, ran 39 episodes, went away, became went back to being a skit. But So throughout the 50s, yeah. it's there. And Jackie Gleason was one of my favorite. Yeah. I mean, it's just funny in everything he does. Yeah, I mean, it's Jackie Gleason's baby, and it it, yeah. it became yeah, you know, it's a, it's an icon of from that time. Sure, and, yeah, yeah. Everybody knows the the honeymooners. So speak of catchphrases <laughs> to the moon, bang, <laughs> zoom to the moon, <laughs> Alice. Yes. <laughs> uh, so not so they're this is extremely popular. So that's an influence. Of course, the other doesn't hurt that Bill Hanna looks at that as pretty much the only sitcom that he ever watched. Oh, at really? that time, he's like, the only one that interested him was the, the, was the Honeymooners. The Honeymooners. So, like, well, it's kind of hard not to have influence when the boss is like, yeah, that's right. really funny. Yeah. Well, do that. Do that, because that <laughs> makes the boss laugh. <laughs> so, when you're trying to do something in primetime that hasn't been done before, it does make sense to lean into something that's been proven to work and been very sure. popular. Yeah. And then, you know, the fact that the boss enjoys it. Sure. It An imitation hurt. is the sincerest form of flattery. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and you also get to keep your most job. Most people believe that. Yeah. <laughs> the lawyers don't. Put a pin in that. Yeah. Coming back. Uh, so uh, they created a, a two-minute clip that features the four, the, the four main characters that would show it, would appear in the show. You have Fred Flintstone and his wife, Wilma. And then you have Barney Rubble and his wife, Betty. And it's a segment that ultimately would appear in the first episode of yeah, where they put in a swimming pool. and they Right. Um, all the voices are different. They're not the, they're the final voices. Um it featured Dawes Butler, who's both Fred and Bar- Barney's voice, Gene uh, Vanderpile as Wilma, and then June Foray as Barney's wife, Betty. I mean, ultimately, Vanderpile would remain a permanent cast member. Yeah. But it was just it was just a test animation to throw out something that they like could... Like a concept. Yeah, something yeah. that they could use to pitch. Um, one of the problems that they ran across was the name, the Flagstones. Yeah. It was... They did, kind of deemed it was too close to the name of... Uh, high and Lois Flagston. So at that time, they were the main characters in Dick Brown's daily newspaper comic strip, High and Lois, which ran, which is popular at the time. It ran oh, really? years later. I remember that card. Yeah, yeah, I remember was, that strip. Was, yeah, it was around in newspapers for, for decades. Forever, yeah. And at the time, it was, you know, fairly, I mean... It was popular. Um, yeah, sure. Comic strip and newspaper, everybody knew those. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Nobody knows anymore. No, but. <laughs> no, clearly. <laughs> so they... Um, so they pivoted and they're like, well, how about we call it the Gladstones? And nobody really, they worked, they lived with it for a while. Like, that doesn't work. And ultimately they settled on the Flintstones. Everybody's like, okay, that works. Let's, you know. Well, Firestone was taken. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so. And it's the Flintstones. There's a T in there. 
Yes, Flintstones. Yeah, a lot of people you just gloss over the T and say Flintstones. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah no, and, and it works even better when it's Flintstone. It, yeah, right. I mean, it, it's just made it more logical. Yeah. Especially even more logical than uh, Gladstone. Yeah. Which is like the great Gladstone <laughs> performing tonight. Yes. <laughs> the illusions for the eyes. Yeah. Um, so Joseph Barbera takes this, this, uh, this animated clip and he heads off to New York and he's going to like, all right. I'm going to sell this thing. We're going to find a, a network or a sponsor or something, and we're going to make this thing happen. Yeah. And he he commits weeks to it. So I'm going to do come hell or high water over the six week period. I'm walking away with this thing sold. Yeah. He goes to NBC. They reject it. He then goes to CBS. Rejected again. He spends you know through the the six actually it may have been somewhere between six to eight weeks. He's he's in New York and he's just like. Going to sponsors, like, hey, we're going to do this. Can we get you behind, back behind this one? We can. No, no. Everybody just Not cold, interested. cold, shutting him down. Um, so he gets to his final day of his of his New York trip. He's like, all right, I got one final meeting. It's with ABC. Um, all right, I got my ninety minute presentation. It's probably going to end, and if it does, this thing, I'm just going to. It's not even going to go back with me. It's going to get in the trash, and we're done. <laughs> Um, so he starts his 90 minute presentation, ABC. So ABC at this time, think of it like, you know, you have the three networks, NBC and CBS are the juggernauts. And then there's ABC who's there. They're like the RC Cola of the networks at the time. Like, (laughs) they're not the most popular. They're the also ran. They're just like, they're there. You know, they're there. If you want them, they're there. They're there. If if you can't find anything else, here's a cola for (laughs) you. They're always there if you need them, but, uh, nobody's running to them first. Right. Um, Within first the first fifteen minutes of Barbera's pitch, they jump and they're like, "Yes, let's really? do this. We want to do something different. We need to shake things up because nobody's because nothing's right working." Now. Yeah, and so they're in and they 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 move it forward. And the Flintstones debuts on Friday evening, September thirtieth, nineteen sixty, at seven thirty p.m. So prime time, prime time, first yeah. time an animated series would ever do that. And you know, it debuts and the critics hate it. Oh, no. I mean, I mean, they hated it. This is not just oh, well, it's like oh, there's another yeah, mistake. ABC is screwing it up again. No, right. it's like oh, this thing is terrible. Really? And, I mean, they're across the board. The, the the critical complaints were that it was it wasn't funny. Mm-hmm. The stories were weak. Uh, I did see one that said there it was inhabited by unpleasantly uncouth people. Um, <laughs> somebody called it an inked disaster. And then oh. you know it had an ink a laugh track that was panned. It that was, was just bad. Like, yeah. Critics hated it. Um, of course, it's viewers, not critics, that really determined. Decide, yeah. that, I mean, that they paid the bills, right? And the viewers loved it. It was a rating oh, smash. Yeah. Um, I mean, the and ultimately, it was that gamble on making them a modern Stone Age family, like not just telling a you know Stone Age family. It's putting all these modern twists, like the TV, the record player. Yeah. That those were the things that pushed it over the top that people really liked because they like seeing like. You know, the name Mr. Slate, like, oh, that's clever. Playing, right. Playing this, you know, using up. They're in the town of Bedrock. All these things that are all just these like, little Stone Age. Yeah. yeah. And then you see uh, the this crane that that is a brontosaurus. It's a brontosaurus. That, yeah. In the quarry, like Fred's operating the crane and it's a brontosaurus. Or like, yeah. You know, like the shower is actually an elephant. Right. And yeah. their, their lawnmower is a snapping turtle. You yeah. Know, anything the grass. It's just yeah. all these little just clever sight gags. Right. That people really, really reacted to. And so it, you know, it was a hit. Um, and, and, and the other thing that was a big appeal was that it was a, that, that touch, that appeal to the honeymooners crowd. Right. Was what made the other it. thing is like, oh yeah, this is really, this is a great spin on this, you know, this kind other of, adult show. That yeah. This working class dynamic that, yeah. that everybody, that, that they liked. That like, works. Oh yeah, this is yeah. really funny too. This is great. So. Yeah. Um, well, you even see that in some of the shows of today, you know, like the King of Queens mm-hmm. was a spin on that. You know, you got this bumbling husband who really means well, and he's always trying to keep stuff from his wife because he's afraid of getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. And of course, his wife outsmarts him and knows what he's up to the whole time. And the husband just has to admit defeat. Yeah. You're just always getting into you know, little like into trouble, like yeah. into schemes well, even, and things like, like oh, yeah. we're going to make this better. And then, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, even Curb Your Enthusiasm mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah, so it's a it's a concept that still works. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's time time tested at this point. Right at that at that time, it was it was, it was new, new to really take that idea and yeah. run with it. Um, 
of course, that Honeymooners influence didn't sit well with everyone. And by everyone, I particularly mean Jackie Gleason. Sure, they stole his character. <laughs> yeah, so understandably protective of his, you know, his, yeah. his creation. So Gleason's like, he starts exploring with his lawyers, suing Hanna-Barbera to, to pull Flintstones off the air. And like, you know, that's my intellectual property. Get rid of him. Right. Uh, in the end, his friends kind of like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, you're overreacting to this. I mean, this is, it's an homage. They're not, yeah. you know, it's not, and it, at that time, the, the honeymooners aren't even on TV at this point. So it's not like it's a direct competition. Right. And so they kind of, you know, they talk him off the ledge, <laughs> so to speak. And, and Gleason actually himself would, would eventually say, he's like, I, in the end, I, I didn't want to be known as the man who took Fred Flintstone off the air. Yeah. So <laughs> good move. Yeah, so, so he, he did take it as his friend suggested as, you know, like, all right. Yeah. You know, it's a, it, you know, uh, appeal to his his ego a little bit and like okay yeah they like my stuff so much that they're gonna they're gonna do it so yeah. he's like all right let's move on and, yeah and it, and it dies there thankfully right otherwise the flintstones died there right and we, we were blessed with the rest of the flintstones yes yeah, so things would have changed drastically at that yeah. point so um during its first so you know we, you're trying to find a network they also find sponsors um uh, for the first two and a half seasons the show was sponsored by winston cigarettes oh classic so during the show, you know, you would get to a commercial break and instead of just like the regular commercials, you'd see Fred walk into the store and buy, and buy a pack of Winston cigarettes and they would talk about how smooth and, yeah. and uh, you know, they have to recite the, the, the catchphrase and the jingle and all that stuff. And right. It was, yeah. I mean, two and a half seasons of Fred and Barney lighting them up lighting and enjoying them, them you know, <laughs> finding flavor country in the Stone Age. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, it's, it's funny because <laughs> once you get to season three, they the, the Flintstones and we'll and we'll talk about this. They they decide to to add a baby into the mix. Yeah, so it's now a family, a truly a it's truly a, a family, family show. sitcom. Um, and to the point where there's like a like multiple episode arc, which is again a first. One episode to the ne- leading to the next, telling the story of Wilma's pregnancy. It was nine weeks long of her announcing that she was pregnant, being pregnant, and yep. then the baby being born. Um, as that storyline is progressing, the the writing was on the wall pretty quick from everybody. Like, yeah, we can't really do Winston cigarettes. You can't smoke around the baby anymore. So, yeah. So that uh, Winston's kind of pulled out uh, their sponsorship, and they were quickly replaced by Welsh's. Like the jelly and juice. Jelly and juice, grape juice, yeah. And Welsh's would remain the sponsor for the rest of the show. Um, And actually, it proved to be pretty lucrative for them, too. Actually, it was a really, paid off really well. It was a good decision for Welsh's, yeah. Yes, it worked out well. So so the Flintstones would run for six seasons and ending in 1966. But, of course, they were not gone. No. And not gone long at all. Um, In August of that year, so just months later, they actually, a... A feature film showed up in the theaters called "A Man, The Man from Flint," which was actually a, a spy spoof film yeah. featuring film uh, Fred as a you know, kind of like a bumbling you know, spy. Sure. Um, and then I believe one month after that, NBC had swooped in and decided to put the rights onto Saturday mornings, which brings it to us. So, sure. <laughs> so Saturday which mornings, is where we saw it from the fall of 1966 through the spring of 1970. So it it ran on TV for ten years. Wow. Um, yeah, the original six seasons, and six then another seasons. another four in syndication, at least on Sunday morning and Saturday mornings. Right. So, of course, then it would um, continue on in. in syndication for years for yeah, decades 70s and 80s um they would spin off 10 separate cartoons yep. um of various you know all set in bedrock and you know where fred and barney are cops um, right then there's the great schmoo and then there's uh pebbles and bam bam as teenagers there's sure. like all these different the flintstone kids and like the right. 80s when everybody had to be a kids yeah um up until um, in t- 2021, they announced that another animation uh, series is going to come out called Bedrock, which is was originally slated for the end of 2023 for this year. However, with writers and acting strikes, that seems to have been Some delayed. Been there has off. not been a new year announced, but that would mark the 10th spinoff then. Wow. Um, that's not to even include the, the other... Uh, animated movies that they put out into small features. Sure. Also, two live-action movies yeah. that came out. So it's... The the Flintstones remain, you know, a animation powerhouse. Sure. 
like everybody knows them. Well, they're a huge yeah. part of co- television culture. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and one of the, I mean, they had multiple firsts. They were the uh, first primetime animated series, the first animated series that focused on one set of characters, mm-hmm. especially for 30 minutes, which is... Right. Yeah. A lot. Um, the first animated show to, so- to show a married couple in the same bed. Oh, I didn't know that. So, yeah. Ozzy and Harriet showed live action, but animated had not. the Flintstones was the first time that you huh. can see that. Uh, the first time pregnancy, infertility, and adoption were all shown in cartoons. Yep. And it's there was one... Like I, I've seen this a couple times, but nobody could confirm it. That it was potentially the first cartoon to show continuity between episodes. Well, when you talk about the the, the pregnancy arc of like yeah, the arc all the way through, yeah, that everything also like everything was standalone. But this is like okay, yeah, those you telling, have to watch in order. Yeah, we're telling this long threaded story. You can't have is, a baby and then all of a sudden there's no baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's pregnant. pregnant she's not no, pregnant. She's not, then yeah. there's a baby. Then she's pregnant again. Right. And then, <laughs> yeah, you got to watch them in order. <laughs> or you're confused. So, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of firsts, and, and what. Part of what made the show so huge is ultimately the the talent behind it, particularly the voice work and the, the yeah. like, these long running um, characters right. are established because of the the names behind them. Yeah, and I mean, talk about an all star cast. I and mean, we've had other cartoons that have a lot of good people in them, but this one, I mean, Mel Blanc is in this mm-hmm. as Barney Rubble, and Mel Blanc. If you've listened to our podcast at all, we haven't had a lot of Mel Blanc mm-hmm. involved, but he's Huge, yeah. especially with Warner Brothers. I mean, he did, and indulge me, I'm going to list a bunch of them here. Um, he did the Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes, Merry Melodies cartoons. He did. He was Porky Pig, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Elmer Fudd, Tweety Bird, Sylvester the Cat, Wiley Coyote, The Road Runner, Yosemite Sam, Sam the Sheepdog, Tez the Tasmanian Devil, Speedy Gonzalez, Marvin the Martian, Foghorn Leghorn, Pepe Le Pew, Charlie the Dog, Block Jacques Chalac, Pussyfoot, <laughs> Private Snafu, those were all Mel Blanc. And then he went on further. Obviously, he's Barney Rubble in the Flintstones. I should have started with that. <laughs> he's Barney Rubble. He also was Dino. He was Cosmo Spacely, uh, Secret Squirrel, Captain Caveman, Speed Buggy, Wally Gator. Um, he did some Tom and Jerry vocal effects. Um, he would go on to become Toucan Sam for the Kellogg's Fruit Loop commercials, which I didn't know. Mm. I didn't know that was him. Um, and he was Tweaky for Buck Rogers, and then he was Heathcliff in the 70s and 80s. So, I mean, a man of a, he was known as the man of a thousand voices, and, and he's in this. You know, he, you, you talk about Peter Cullen and Don Messick, and then you got Mel Blanc. I mean, these three are on my Mount Rushmore yeah. of voice actors. Slacker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's Barney Rubble. Alan Reed um, played Fled, Fred Flintstone, and he actually improvised the Yabba Dabba Doo. The, the script called for him to say Yahoo, mm-hmm. and he said Yabba Dabba Doo. And like you said, that's one of those iconic catchphrases that everyone knows, even if they weren't a fan of the show or never watched the show. People will say it just because they've heard it. It's funny because where that improv comes from is he saw the Yahoo and he thought it made him think of the Brill Cream uh, catchphrase from when or the tagline when he was growing up. It was a little dabble do you. Yeah. And his mother used to say it and this. She used to be silly with it and say, yeah, yabba dabba do. Yeah. And so oh, he. Funny. So as he's looking he at that, that. Like, he thought Yahoo doesn't really convey Fred's excitement in this scene. So he goes over to uh just barbara and he's like can i say this instead and barbara's like yeah that's kind of funny let's try that yeah and and it's catchphrase is born and yeah you mentioned yeah. flintstones and the person you're talking to is going to pull that out yeah exactly for sure um yeah uh, jean vanderpile was wilma flintstone she was also pebbles and didn't do a lot of other um work as as voiceover um actor um she did do uh, mostly acting, um, but not actual voice work. The only other voice work I found was as Rosie the Robot from the Jetsons mm-hmm. um, and a couple of characters in Top Cat and the Magilla the Gorilla Show. Mm-hmm. She had a voice on there, but not clearly obvious, as much as, as Mel Blanc. Sure. Yeah. Part of that Hanna-Barbera stable, but not as Yeah, prolific. like one of the people we talk about, like, hey, you're walking down the hall. Hey, come here and read this, you know. <laughs> B. Benaderet. Betty Rubble for 112 episodes. She had a great career in radio and television. She was on um, Fibber McGee and Molly, My Favorite Husband, uh, with Lucille Ball. She was on the Jack Benny show. So did a lot of TV, did a lot of voiceovers in various roles um, for Orson Welles um, in his radio productions. She was a regular on Campbell Playhouse. She was on the George Burns show. Um, She was um, on the George Burns show 
with Gracie Allen. And because of her role as Blanche on those shows, she um, wasn't allowed to accept the part of Ethel Merce in I Love Lucy. Oh. So she could have been in I Love Lucy, but she was in contract with George Burns. Um, it was offered to her by Lucille Ball, actually, and she, oh. she had to turn it down because she was already under contract. Um, she was in a lot of other Warner Brothers cartoons, um, usually females. And those are the ones that Mel Blanc couldn't do. You know, he couldn't do the female voice. Mm-hmm. So she was Tweety's owner, Granny, mm-hmm. um, and worked as uh, Tweety Pie in the Academy Award winning animation short um, featuring Tweety and Sylvester the Siamese Cat. So mm-hmm. she's got a quite a quite a voiceover career and an acting career as well. Um, you know, on my Mount Rushmore, obviously Bam Bam Rebel came along, and that's Don Messick. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you need an animal voice, and Bam Bam, let's be honest, he was kind of an animal. <laughs> um, you you went to if you needed an animal voice, you went and got Don Messick. You know, he was Scooby Doo, Boo Boo, and Yogi. We we know all the things that he has done. So he was Bam Bam. John Stevenson was Mister Slate. He was on television really early in its infancy in, in the early 1950s. He was the commercial announcer on I Love Lucy. Hmm. When they would read the commercials live, when everything was recorded yeah. live, um, he would read the radio. He would read the commercial. Oh, interesting. Um, so yeah, that's uh, Mr. Slate. Um, Jerry Johnson was Betty Rubble, and she was the second voice of Betty, actually beyond um, B. Benaderet. And she did like 52 episodes. Yeah, so she, she did, last, she did yeah, quite a few. The last two seasons. Yeah. yeah. There's a noticeable change when it goes from season Yeah, four you to can hear five. it. Yeah. yeah. It's the same character, but you can tell mm-hmm. the voice is, is, yep. is different. Um, Hal Smith uh, was the voice of the announcer. He was, I, I only included him. He didn't do a ton of other things, but he had an interesting role outside of Flintstones. He was the owl in Winnie the Pooh. Oh. He played Mr. Owl. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then also Barney Rubble had a second voice, um, Dawes Butler. Pitch hit um, as Barney Rubble for 19 episodes uh, because the um, original actor, um, Mel Blanc, was in a car accident. Mm-hmm. And um, Dawes Butler took over him for him for 19 seasons. Um, Dawes Butler is up there, too. You know, he's, he's done so many things. Yogi Bear, Huckleberry Hound, Quick Draw McGraw, McGraw um, Snagglepuss, Jinx the Cat. You know, all these, you know, he had a lot of voices in uh, The Jetsons. As well, Cogswell Cogs and Elroy Jetson um, also provided the voice for many long-running commercial characters as Snap from Snap, Crackle, and Pop from the Rice Krispies. And he was Captain Crunch, hmm. which is cool. I always yeah. loved Captain Crunch because I have an affinity <laughs> for pirate stories. And yeah, he was the voice of Captain Crunch, and I, I didn't know that. Um, and then one of my favorite actors played one of my least favorite characters on Flintstones, <laughs> the Great Gazoo. I mean, the Great Gazoo was just, I mean... Oh, there's lots on. to say about the Great Gazoo. Yeah, the Great yeah. Gazoo was a gag that was like, it was like they jumped the shark at yeah. the, with the Great Gazoo. It's like, we got this alien who's kind of a genie character, and he grants them wishes so he can go home, but not when they really need him, you know? Yeah, and, and it's... Uh, yeah, I've got a lot to but, say about But Great the Gazoo. only thing that saves Great Gazoo for me <laughs> is he was voiced by Harvey Corman. Yes. Harvey Corman is a genius, and he makes me laugh no matter what he's doing. He's just funny. Obviously, you know him uh, mostly from the Carol Burnett show, um, but he also did a lot of Mel Brooks films, mm-hmm. um, and Mel Brooks films including Blazing Saddles and History of the World Part One. It's yeah. part of Mel Brooks's catalog. Yeah, you know, you think of Mel Brooks, you think of Harvey Corman too. So uh, that saved the Great Gazoo for me. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I just couldn't stand that character. Oh, yeah, and those episodes are the worst yeah. out of all of them. I mean, those are on the bottom <laughs> because of the Great Gazoo. Uh, but now that I know it was Harvey Corman, now I laugh at the Great yeah. Gazoo because, like, I know he's being a smart Alec, just like Harvey Corman. I still, I still can't laugh at him. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that didn't work, but I, yeah. So I mean, a really well-rounded cast. Not absolutely. a big cast, but wow, you got some heavy hitters. Yeah, in you it. have icons. Yeah, of the, you got Dawes Butler. The animation world. You got Mel Blanc. You got Don Messick. I mean, mm. wow. Yeah, and this is a cool cast. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's and it's so well done. It, it it makes a huge difference too. And and I will even say for the 19 episodes where Dawes Butler stepped in, he did a great job. Yeah, it's it's pretty. It's not overly noticeable as compared to where Betty, where, where you Betty go was from, a complete yeah. switch. Yeah, I mean, yeah. her voice was distinctly different. She mm-hmm. wasn't trying to try and match it. Where right. Dawes Butler's clearly trying to, like, okay, to let's try and, trying to be Barney. Yeah, how do we maintain this voice? Yeah, and, and maintain obvious. this laugh and stuff. Yeah. You know, nowadays with AI, they could have just 
made him say whatever you wanted him yeah. to say, but that's what causes the actor's <laughs> strike, right? So maybe we shouldn't have suggested that, but um, yeah, I, I, I thought the voice acting in this was really, really oh, good, and obviously yeah. because they had great actors yeah. um, doing this. So before we sat down and started watching these again, what did what did you remember of the Flintstones, whether as a kid or as an adult? What how, what are your well, recollections? Almost any person my age can can sing the Flintstones theme song. Absolutely. You know, everyone knows the words to that. I mm-hmm. mean, it's even parodied in the, one of my favorite Thanksgiving films, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, where they <laughs> sing the Flintstones on the bus because yeah. uh, Steve Martin wants to sing Three Coins in a Fountain, and no one knows the words <laughs> to that, but they know the words to the Flintstones. You know, um, but I remember watching this. And I don't remember a lot of the stories. And, and you brought that up the other day at lunch. Like, you remember watching this, but you don't remember any of it. I, I, I swear I've probably seen every one of these episodes at least once, if not twice, at a minimum Yeah, growing up. And I mean, I remember watching the Flintstones all the time. I There's not one single plot that I remember like, oh, I remember this episode. I yeah. don't. I remember the characters. I remember locations. I remember the guest stars. I remember Dripper, the the train seal who shows up at the end of. I sure. I couldn't remember that episode. I, other right. than oh, that's right. There's that seal, and he like looks like like Barney in his scuba outfit. Right. That's it. Yeah. I just remember like the scenery. Like I remember mm-hmm. what the house looked like. I remember what their cars looked like. I remember what the brontosaurus crane looked like mm-hmm. i remember the characters i don't remember you know what they did that was funny or what their main gig was um i remember the the water buffalo hats that they <laughs> wore but i don't remember them ever going to a water buffalo meeting or yeah. anything like that you know i just remember those visuals yeah. but i don't remember any of the gags so to speak or, yeah, I, or clearly any of the plot lines i don't remember any of that yeah so I'm, watching it back i'm like oh this is all new to me <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm the same way it was a lot of just like it's like watching like knowing all those elements are there mm-hmm. and right like oh yeah i remember yeah like i said the water buffalo uh the loyal order water buffalo the um you know like ann margrock when she says like, oh i remember like i didn't know who ann margaret was when i was a kid but sure. i still you know recognize like oh i remember that character being here but um well and elizabeth montgomery and dick york were on yeah. there yeah, you know, from from Bewitched. Well, and that's one of the things that surprised me going back and watching it now as an adult is that I didn't realize. So I always thought that when The Simpsons came on, The Simpsons were the, the the first animated show that really like really dug into pop culture and just kind of spoofed everything that was going on. Sure. The Flintstones did that mm-hmm. pretty much for four of the six seasons, right? Um, and, and pretty thirty heavily. years before. Yeah, I mean, a lot of nods even to like contemporary television shows. That I, you know, I've never even heard of and never would have known at that time, or even now I've never heard of them. But, you know, like different, like different types of shows that were on. I mean, and, and more notable, they, they spoof like Candid Camera and they, yeah. they have nods to like Perry Mason, right. um, Dr. No, mm-hmm. The House on a Haunted Hill, um, the Adams family, they have this whole episode with the with gruesomes the, and right, they, the they gruesomes. Bring them back. <laughs> who if you if you did you if you reckon I don't know if you if you watched that one or you recognize yep. they that's basically the model for the Creepleys from the Life Creepleys Olympics. from Life Olympics. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. not the same characters, but they just very, very close. Yeah, modeled them after the, the gruesomes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then yeah, I mentioned Anne, Anne Margaret. Uh, so they had Anne Margaret who actually voiced her own character. Tony Curtis came in. Oh yeah, Tony um, Curtis. They did uh knock on Rock Hudson, yep. Carrie Grant. Or Carrie Granite is what they called Carrie Granite, yeah. Um, they had Ed Sullivan, uh, the band the Bo Brummels at that mm-hmm. time actually actually came on and sang their hit song of the time, and it was wow. just um, yeah. I mean, I didn't realize, and it actually makes me appreciate the show more, like how how they pulled that off, how hip they were in right. terms of just kind of like poking the you know poking the elbow at the at pop culture. Sure, and, yeah. Well, you imagine gathering around the TV set. In the 50s, go, oh, we got to watch it this week because yeah. Anne Mark Rock is going to be on. <laughs> Anne Margaret's going to be on the Flintstones. Yeah, it was it was interesting. And, and I mean, the way I look at it, um, so the, the show, so I, I actually did sit down and plowed through all six seasons, every uh, every single episode. I, mean, I did not. I think I did about 70%. I, I wish I had done that. You watched all, <laughs> how many were there? 166. Oh. It's a lot of episodes. Um I mean, in the end, it's good, but it, it did help me this kind of break out the the Flintstones and the phases. There's clear phases in sure. the way the show develops. Yeah, you have the the first season and into the second season where um, it's clear that the, the direct honey, honeymooners influence where Fred is he's a jerk. Yeah, um, and he is 
he's overtly obnoxious. He's borderline unlikable at times. You're right. Like, and oh. he's always trying to scam Barney out of something. <laughs> yeah, dragging Barney into everything. And yep. then it's just like, I mean, he's... Keeping things from his wife. And unpleasant to Wilma to, like, yeah. to the point like, oh, this is a little uncomfortable. But right. yeah, I mean, so it, it, it takes them into season two where they kind of... They soften his edge. Yeah. And they, you know, they start, they seem to, to really find their footing and the show really starts to hum. Right. Like it, it there's a, there's it a clear its shift. Voice. Yeah. Like kind of like early into season two, we're like, all right, it, it, it really starts to move along. And it kind of like, I would think like that, that, that prime Flintstones yeah. is, like, is right there. And then you get into the season three. With the introduction of pebbles, and you get this family focus, and so introducing a baby when they are at a peak, like the peak of their their their, their popularity at this point, introducing a whole new thing, and they're doing. I mean, that's a somewhat bold choice. Like, all right, Huge. we're changing this. Yeah, and, and I mean, they're trying to be like proactive about, um, yeah, how do we keep things fresh? Right, and I mean, that's that's that's. that's Good way to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and originally it's funny. There's there's an interesting story. So originally the the baby is going to be a boy, and then Joseph Barbera gets a phone call from the head of merchandising, and he just wants to confirm the rumor that the the baby was going to be added. And he's like, "Is it going to be a, a boy or a girl?" And Barbera's like, "Well, it's uh, what else? It'll be a boy. It'll be a chip off the old rock." <laughs> and the merchandising guy says, "Well, that's too bad. If it was a girl, we could have made a hell of a deal." So Barbera replies. Oh, it's a girl. <laughs> and they turn around and within the first three months, they sell three million Pebbles dolls. Wow. And yeah, they like, well, let's let's do it. Let's do it again. Yeah. Let's go ahead and, and add another baby. Yeah. So the Rebels need to have a baby. We need that symmetry between the, the Flintstones and the Rebels. So they, they start in early, like the first couple episodes of, of season four. Bam Bam is introduced as he's adopted by yep. the, the rebels. Again, that's where like the they can't have they're not having a kid, and yeah. then there's like a adoption struggle to it. It's actually, I mean, a, a struggle. It's sure. you know, it's it's resolved within yeah. 15 minutes of the episode. It's conflict it's, though. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting. I mean, like it's it worked, and yeah. and they're able to then through season three and even into into season four, just kind of keep that you know really find a new element with these stories and not feel like they're forcing anything or it feels like it's like all right no money grab here money grab there yeah. you get what i would call the fourth phase which is you know season you know probably like early season four or you know all the way through season five so it's like um you're balancing those phases two and three like those like those really those stories that really click when it's just like the four of them are really just fred and barney focused yeah and then with the family ones and you know some are hit or miss but sure. for the most part it's still it's still good it still feels like the flintstones and then you get to season six <laughs> and <laughs> you said that with bated breath well that's because um <laughs> it feels like they're they've run out of ideas uh-huh. it's like these these conflict you know these these natural conflicts just aren't natural anymore. And it feels yeah. like they're, they're, they're struggling. And then they go ahead and add the great kazoo. Ugh. And it's, it's like this eternal struggle for, for fresh conflict ideas. Yeah. And they're just using the great kazoo like, to well, create conflict. Yeah. And, uh, and he's, <sighs> so uh, the idea for the character for, for the great kazoo is that he's this space alien who is banished to Earth from the future, from his planet in the future, sent back to prehistoric Earth um, because he created a doomsday device, he says unwillingly, and he's got to stay there until he can do perform a good deed for somebody. Yeah. Um, And of course, his introduction is like him, like the first thing you even said, like he just calls them dumb, calls them stupid, like, what are you doing, dumb, dumb? Yes. (laughs) That was good. It sounded like the Great Kazoo. <laughs> and it's... Well, it's clear that... I mean, that tells me the Flintstones are in the past. Yes. Way in the past. Yeah. Because yeah, he's they, come they, to they Earth. Def- and they define it that way as, as like, oh, I've gone so far back in time. Yeah. He's gone back in time. And it's before Earth has, in, has come up with any kind of technology. Right. It's even close to anything right. the Great Kazoo would recognize. Right. And he's just bored with it. <laughs> and he even has to tell them how to open his spaceship. Yeah, because he can't open it from the inside. <laughs> you know, he has to <laughs> tell Fred push that button and lift this lever. And yeah, and, get and, me out of here. And one of the I think where where the struggle with uh, the Gazoo, at least for the time, and why those those episodes at times really started to, to fall apart is because 
you know, you're, you're already asking the suspension of, of a belief in your audience that a modern Stone Age family of Stone yeah. Age with modern elements. Right. Like, okay, yeah, we, we've accepted that. Now we're going to add a futuristic space element to this. And it's like, oh, come on. Yeah. It's, it's a bridge too far, I think, right. for, for some of you. You're just kind of already playing fast and loose. you got foot-pedaled cars, and now you got a flying <laughs> yeah, saucer. You're, you're playing fast and loose with the, the term modern already, and right. now we're going to do this. But the issue that well, I Well, my have, brother pointed that out to me, because yeah. I was asking him, like, why did the Flintstones have a Christmas episode? <laughs> and so they're obviously before Christ, right? And he said, John, they're a modern Stone Age family. So then I'm starting to think they're in a cult, right? It's, it's modern times, and it's like... that Shyamalan's a village. Yes, just exactly. It's like the village, which I love, by the way. But like maybe they're choosing to live like this, because they have media, and they have lights, yeah. and they have police and laws, and they have jobs and paychecks and things they worry about, and and the radio and these things, but they live in a stone house, you know? Yeah. So maybe they're just choosing to live like this. Yeah, I don't they know. have doors, but they don't have windows. Yeah. They, yeah, they... <laughs> Well, they have windows, but there's nothing in them. There's holes. <laughs> yeah, just, but they yeah, have the window holes, that, yeah. yeah. And they have a door that closes. My favorite, my favorite, um, and I don't know if they intended to do it or not, but season four, episode 14, there's a scene where Fred walks, goes up to like a, a guy's house, and he knocks on the window. There's no noise. You just see him actually like knock, knock. and <laughs> nothing happens, and then he just starts talking. There's no glass. He just starts talking <laughs> he just to the person inside. He <laughs> started to knock. <laughs> They haven't invented glass yet, but they have televisions. Yeah. So, so, so what's the television screen made of? <laughs> I mean, someone's pressing records. Like, you're like highly polished stone. Yeah. yeah. They, found some, project into they found some quartz somewhere. They polished it off. Uh, Maybe that's what Barney did at the quarry, because I never understood what Barney did. Barney jumped from job to job. Yeah. He, he actually didn't work at the quarry for He didn't work the at the quarry? Yeah, no. see, I thought he did. Maybe, yeah. But. yeah, I think at one point, by the, like, I think season of, late season four or season five, he starts, he starts showing up. Starts showing quarry, up at the yeah. quarry, yeah. But but I do need to finish one thing out the Great Gazoo that I, this yeah. is my issue with the Great Gazoo and why okay. I struggle with it so much. So the idea is that um, all these problems, you know, these conflicts, he creates every single conflict not just because like well he's trying to help them it's just he just creates them he creates for no so real he can reason. solve it so in one one episode he create he he um just out of nowhere he provides fred with this car that they saw in the movie yeah it's like a gangster car right and fred and barn's like no no we don't want this you get rid of it and he's like oh no keep it it's fine i'll yeah. take it away fine like right. okay fine we'll keep it and then they, of course they get in trouble they get like chased by gangsters right um <laughs> which is hilarious yeah. there's <laughs> 1920s gangsters <laughs> chasing them around in prehistoric times yeah or their m night Shyamalan village <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's like the beast yeah. Great Kazoo is the beast. The beast, the yeah. <laughs> um, he also then, they go to the racetrack one time, and he decides to fix dinosaur races so that they think that he's going to tell them all the answers. And then he decides to, like, screw them over. Yeah. And he tells them all the wrong ones, and they get, like, again, they're like, being chased down by gangsters by again. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> Well, what lesson are you teaching when you're like intentionally like you choose he's to do this to He's supposed to be them. doing good things yeah. to get back to where he belongs. Yeah. And then he doesn't want to go. Then he's frustrated because he, he can't get home. You're like, well, <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> I think he really did create a doomsday device on purpose. He, I think he is the doomsday device. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then one more where he creates. So Fred and Barney, they want to go bowling, but they agreed to take their wives out to dinner. Yeah. Or to the, the opera or something like that. Or no, it's to dinner. Yeah. And so Gazoo like, oh, I'll just create a second version of each one of you. Fred can only say, yes, yes, yes. And Barney can only say, no, no, no. Right. And for some reason, Fred and Barney are like, okay, that works. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, mayhem ensues. Yes. And like, they didn't ask you for that. They just... You they know, just like, agreed to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow he's still there. Yeah. Eventually, like, eventually he does. He does help them, and, they, and he's able to go home. But oh, <laughs> it's it's too many episodes of the Great Gazoo. Yeah, but I love Harvey Corman. Yeah. So yes. if I look at it through that lens, he's kind of hilarious because <laughs> I can see Harvey Corman doing this just to mess with them. That's a pretty soft pass. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it though. It would have been better if you had the Great Gazoo, and then you had like his henchman, who's played by Tim Conway. Yes, that oh, would have been that, that'd be that hilarious. changes everything. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you replace Wilma with Carol Burnett once in yeah. a while. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I hate, I mean, to be straightforward with you, I hated the Great Kazoo mm-hmm. when I was, I'm like, oh, yeah. these episodes <laughs> suck, and I hate that guy, and he's just, I, you know, he asked me earlier what I remember about the Flintstones. I remember hating that conflict that he always created. It was, like, uncomfortable for me. I didn't like it. Right. Because he was always putting them in trouble or putting them in yeah. danger, and I'm like, this is an evil character. Yeah. You know, this is the bad guy. And Fred's good enough at putting themselves in, into trouble. Yeah, right? he can do <laughs> that on his own. He doesn't need any extra help. Um, but I just have to give a, a little bit of a nod to the genius of Harvey Corman, which yeah. made that character hateful. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Intentionally or not. Yeah. yeah. It's like some of the best actors in Hollywood are the bad guys. Yeah. You know, because they make you hate them. It's easy to make someone love you, but make someone hate you is a talent on its own. This better be good. I was busy sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> Which apparently he did 23 yeah. hours Wherever a day. Wherever he's from, they must need a lot of sleep. <laughs> the days must be really short there or very, very long. Very long. Yeah. We're talking about a 600-day year, <laughs> a three-day day. But um, one other thing I wanted to touch on, too, is the, the opening and closing. So you mentioned Meet the Flintstones and the opening the and closing song, credits. Yeah. So when the, first, the show first started, they actually had a different song called Rise and Shine. Yeah. And it... It showed Fred doing, leaving work, doing errands around bedrock. He stops, picks up. up a newspaper, he gets his dry cleaning, yep. and then he you know, he ultimately goes home and settles in in front of the TV. And then the end well, Wilma hands him his food as yes. he goes to the recliner. Yes, yeah. yes. and Dino... Yeah, jumps, jumps down onto the floor. And, yeah, um, and then the end credits then continue that that continuity where it shows Fred getting ready for bed. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. It shows Fred getting ready for bed before he ends up being locked out of the house by their saber the cat. cat. Yeah, uh, who Which, did actually, the cat ever have a name? He had a name, Baby Puss. Baby Puss. He only showed up in five episodes total outside of the credits. Outside of the credits. Yeah, um, but it aired the at that point the show was airing in black and white. And so, uh, Dino is actually, when you see the cartoon now, it's actually, he's blue, Yeah. but it didn't matter. Nobody saw him. He was just like, we don't need to change that because it's black and white. And, yeah. And in 1962, after years of other networks showing sure. <laughs> color television, ABC finally like, oh, maybe we should do this newfangled color thing. Right. And they get Hanna-Barbera to go ahead and create a new Dino. Well, just a, a new opening sequence yeah. and song. So they write. Oh, they change the whole thing. They, they, yeah. So they write Meet the Flintstones. Yeah. And it, it happens to go inside with the introduction of Pebbles. So what you see is that the Fred leaves work and he picks up the family and they go and they head to the drive in uh, yep. theater. If you ordered the Brontosaurus ribs. And eventually they, they actually add the rubbles to it. Yep. So um, so all both families get in the car, pile in this car. Yeah. And, they go to the, and, and then they put Pebbles and Bam Bam on top of Dino. On top of Dino's head so they can watch the drive-in so movie. The drive, yeah. Well, and that's in the song they say a page right out of history, mm-hmm. which tells you, okay, this, they're in the past. Yes. But are they really? Or is it just they're a page, you know, they're a throwback. They're a page right out of history. Yeah. Is that telling me they're early in the past, or they just live like they're in the past? I still don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're watching projected movies on yeah, the screen, right? And they drove there <laughs> <laughs> with audio technology, where they can like, yeah, yeah, where you can hear the movie. Yeah, there from... was recorded music coming yeah. through a speaker that yeah. they hung on their car, but the speaker was like a conch shell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it had a cord. Yeah. You know, so they didn't have Wi-Fi yet. They didn't have wireless technology. Yeah, they were hardwired everywhere. But it's, yeah, yeah. Um, throughout the. The sixth season, there actually there, there are points where they they swapped out the ending with the Meet the Flintstones with so the first episode of six, season six has a an episode where Fred dreams that Pebbles and Bam Bam as babies make a rock song, um, yeah, become hugely popular, yep. singing their song, open up your heart and let the sunshine in, and drumming on the turtle backs, and, yes, yeah, strumming a guitar made from a bird or something. Yeah. What is it? What is it? A flamingo? That or something? sounds right. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember exactly, but it yeah. had to be some that kind of animal. Yeah. So what they do is they take this clip of them singing in that episode and they put that over the end credits for a handful of episodes at yeah. the end. That's where that came from. Yeah. Was, trying yeah. to make that a thing, a thing, I guess. And yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a page out of the Archies. Yeah. 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 But so They're it's, setting it's them up for a spinoff maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Until they turn into teenagers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how... The opening credits it kind of evolved over time. Yeah, and it was interesting, but you know now it's you just see 
Yeah. Right. Yabba dabba do sliding yeah. down the back of the, the dinosaur and yeah. up to the, the The whistle goes and he's out of there. Yeah, to the, the dulcet tones of Meet the Flintstones. Right. Yeah. Kind of yeah. sets you up for the show. Um so it for our listeners, the opening music we use on our podcast is Rise and Shine, mm-hmm. which is the original theme from the Flintstones. And I didn't know that. I do you you said let's use this music. I'm like, okay, cool. I love it. It's cartoony music. And then I started watching back these Flintstone episodes. I'm like Oh, and I texted. (laughs) Yeah, I texted you. I'm like, the opening song sounds really familiar. (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) So if you go back to the beginning of the episode here and listen to that music, that was the original intro music for the Flintstones cartoon, which is great because it, like, the whistle and the cop sirens and stuff makes sense Mm -hmm. when you watch the opening of the Flintstones because all that action actually happens. It's not just in the song randomly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because they they established right off the bat that Bedrock is a, has a population of 2500 people 2500 people but you know you know modern like you think of like modern cities now 2500 people that's not huge not there's not a lot there's not a lot but they have everything every amenity they have multiple banks <laughs> they have a theater it's the largest <laughs> small town in the world <laughs> they have i mean like different neighborhoods i they, mean yeah they have a, a tv station yeah i mean everything media yeah everything yeah. is there like like multiple like multi-level hotels yes because that's when all the celebrities show up they all like hide up and like like the eighth floor of the right. hotels and and, and they have clubs. a mall yeah have all mall. that stuff yeah. so when is this set I don't know. That's all. I'm completely. They confused. have a mall. Yeah, they have retail. Yeah, they have their trading goods. They have currency because they get paid, which I never see them get currency. So they must have had electronic deposit or automatic <laughs> deposit. You know, so it's 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 frightfully confusing yeah. to me. You know, because there are, there are episodes and some of my favorite episodes. You know, they had one where. Uh, Fred loses his job at the quarry and gets a job as a bus driver. Mm-hmm. And they give him this this route. And he's like, okay, I drive the bus. I pick these people up and take them to school. And all the other bus drivers are, like, scared of what Fred's about to do. And it's all like they have PTSD, you know, from they're like wartime pilots that are confused about, oh, you don't want that. And they got the twitches and they're bouncing around the room. And stuff. How long did you drive that road? Four days. Four days. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy was just a mess. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that... That made me feel like, okay, this is modern time because they're dealing with modern problems, you know. Um, and then they have the Indian Rock Indian Rockless 500. Goggles, Goggles McGee, McGee is his name. And it's so that makes me think it's like a near future, but a dystopian mm-hmm. near future because they're, they're doing things that we did in modern times, but with less technology. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like they're trying to bring back auto racing with these stone cars with wooden wheels. Post apocalyptic. Yeah, it's like a post apocalyptic thing because <laughs> they have. They have modern things, but they work differently. You know, we use a bird's beak as the needle on our phonograph, and um, we use turtle shells to communicate with each other, and we live in stone houses, you know. But they have electricity. They've figured that out. Yeah. So that makes me think it's, okay, it's the near future, and things have gone wrong, and they're trying to rebuild (laughs) technology. Yeah, they've been pushed back to the Stone Age. The horror. Yeah, the horror. (laughs) So they're, you know, they're a modern, they've been put back to the Stone Age, but but they're modern people. Yeah. But they don't know any better because they're back in the Stone Age. And then there's an episode where they have a time machine. They go to the World's Fair, Four, 64 yeah. World's Fair in New York City. Because you can see the, the sculptures in the background. You can clearly tell this is New York City. Mm-hmm. And you hear Fred talk about New York strips. And they're singing songs like When the Saints Go Marching In, which tell me, okay, this, this is cool. But then they go to the future and wind up in ancient Rome. So are they real? They're really in the past because if the future is ancient Rome, they're really in the past. So then I'm convinced, okay, they really are a Stone Age family because if ancient Rome and Columbus and medieval times, and even they go to 1776 Philadelphia and meet Benjamin Franklin, and they wind up at the World's Fair in the future, that means they're obviously ancient people. They're in the past. Uh, But then they meet the Great Gazoo. And he's from the way future, mm-hmm. and he's coming back. And he said, I had to go all the way back in the past. So now I think the Flintstones <laughs> are in the past. And then the the episode I watched, I think it was the last episode, right? The long, long weekend where the Great Gazoo sends them to the future. Second to last. Second to last episode. Oh, uh, no. One of the last It's four. near the it's end. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the last four it's or near five the episodes, end. yes. And he <laughs> says, well, why don't you... I'll, I'll tell you what the future is going to be like. I'll send you there. And, and they go there like they're on a field trip. 
you know, mm-hmm. and the people who they meet don't care that they're dressed in furs and don't have shoes on. And they don't seem amazed that they're flying around and going to Mars for the weekend <laughs> and stuff. They're just walking around. Hey, look, at that's kind of cool. But you see all these other characters from the Jetsons, mm-hmm. but they're like not the Jetsons, yeah. right? They're drawn exactly like George Jetson, but he's got a mustache, <laughs> right? So that tells me, you know, there are theories out there that say the Jetsons in the Flintstones happened at the same time, and the Flintstones are the poor schmucks that got stuck on Earth, and the Jetsons were the ones that escaped Earth and now live in space colonies. <laughs> but if the Great Gazoo sent them to the future to meet the Jetsons, that's clearly not at the same time. Yeah, I feel like that character in Princess Bride, where he's trying to figure out which which drink has the iodine powder in it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can clearly not choose the glass in front of me, but I can also at the same time clearly not choose the glasses in front of you. you know? Well, clearly we can just blame all this confusion on the gazoo. It's, it's great gazoo. It's his fault. It, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> though I, I, the, I will immediately retract that because at one point in season five, they put on a performance of Romeo and Juliet. Yes. There's no gazoo around. It's no. just like, yeah. Wait, how do you know? How do you know Shakespeare? <laughs> right. I mean, I didn't learn Shakespeare till like 1984, right? And they knew it back when in yeah, the before Stone Shakespeare. Age. So before maybe, Shakespeare, maybe what we've done is just feel that Shakespeare actually really didn't write his stuff. It was written by was the written, Rebels, written by Cro-Magnon Man. <laughs> yeah. The Flintstones and the Rebels wrote all that stuff. So. <laughs> well, it's kind of like someone stealing the concept for a show from a show that's already on TV, yeah. like the Money Mooners. <laughs> It's been happening for centuries. <laughs> this is a new baby. Uh, I, I did have one question, though, too. I, for a town that small, why is there so much crime? <laughs> right? There are criminals everywhere. Yes. Like every other episode, there's like there's crooks. There's you know, they're, yeah. they're being chased by gangsters. It's like a constant. Like, people are setting up scams. You all only the have 25 people, 2,500 people in this town. Yeah. You got to know who the bad guys are. <laughs> Apparently, half the half of it's a criminal element. <laughs> Which so maybe they were all put on a prison planet, and these are the ones who just got you know they just they're in a prison colony. I mean, Fred's always trying to bend the law too. You know, he's always pulling these little scams. Maybe that's what's going on here. Well, and that's funny too because they're always trying to get like, well, we we don't have enough money. So like, so he quits his job. He like in some big. Yells at Mr. Slate, like, I don't need this. And he takes right. off and he starts some some new, like, startup business or he buys a... He started what, a drive-in yeah, diner. Yeah, started a drive-in diner. <laughs> they, they, like, all these different businesses, they all fail. Right. And Wilma basically goes back. And he's like, oh, I can't go back to Mr. Slate. So Wilma just goes like, yeah, I already got your job for you. It's yes. Fine. <laughs> So Mr. Slate's ex- extremely <laughs> yeah yeah. I mean, either Fred must be really good at his job and yeah. is, is really underappreciated by Mr. Slate while he's sure. there, or they just like nobody else can. Uh, there's only twenty five hundred people. <laughs> we, we you got to come. Back. We need a crane operator. Yeah, we need. There's only like three guys in town that can run the crane. One of them's a drunk. The other one's Flintstone. <laughs> you know? It's Flintstone or Rubble. They're the ones that are already unemployed at various points. Right. Yeah. So. I think I think I hit something with the prison planet because they're doing hard labor. <laughs> I mean, they're breaking rocks, <laughs> and they they wear the same clothes all the time. Yeah, you know, oh, it's interesting. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. I was always I was so hung up on the past or future thing, but now I think they're just sentenced to hard labor somewhere in the past and in, in the, the past future. and in the future. Yeah. It's prison just, planet. It's it's like almost like a Superman planet where it's it's rotating so fast sure. the time keeps changing on them. <laughs> or it's bizarro. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, there's so many things. Like it's obviously they're in the past because there's dinosaurs and all the Stone Age tropes and things. But mm-hmm. it's in modern times as if they're in a cult because they have some modern conveniences, uh, but they're choosing to live like this. Mm-hmm. Or. They're in the future because they're visited by spacemen and they celebrate Christmas and they know Shakespeare and all these things. Mm-hmm. But the, at the same time, they could be in the past because science fiction and trips to the moon are mentioned as something coming in the future. Mm-hmm. So they're they're pre-space age, at least, yeah. right? Um, when they meet Dracula and they meet Frankenstein. Dracula, and- <laughs> yeah. And then when the Gazoo sends them to the Jetsons universe, they meet George Slate, the 80,000th. Is still running this company in space. and somehow has a record of Fred Flintstone <laughs> in his, in his from database. ten billion pieces. <laughs> so they had legitimate record collecting. So I just I, I give up. I'm sticking with the prison planet thing. 
like they were banished to this place for several generations. You know, they're they're like the North Koreans do. You know, you go to a labor camp for four generations or something, and that's where they are. Well, so who is it that determines what animals can be pets and what ones are appliances? <laughs> yeah, because you know, one of them's the one of them's the phonograph, you know, and one is the garbage disposal. And well, the, and they all have smart comments too, like, "Well, it's a living." Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah, with the garbage can is like waste not want not. Right, he's a big pig that eats everything. <laughs> I, well, I, what was the one? I can't remember. It's like um, when they start up the grill, it's like a, a bird that he like squeezes legs and he blows, blows air. Fire, yeah. yeah, and he's like, I do all the work around here, and they get all the steaks. Yeah, I'm like what bird is eating steak? <laughs> <laughs> a velociraptor, maybe. I'm like I took the job because I have a sweet tooth. Yeah. I mean, it's just like all these like funny. I mean, and they and they are kind of clever. And they it's are. like how they fit them in, but it's yeah. just like these poor animals. <laughs> They're subservient, yeah. but not all of them, because some of them are beloved pets. Yeah, some are pets, <laughs> and then every once in a while they go out like like the one with the. Uh, the, the bewitched characters that go out you know, yeah. camping, and there's like wild animals out there right. that they're afraid of. Yeah, like well, <laughs> you can tr- you operate a brontosaurus for a living, and you're afraid of what's in the trees. Yeah. <laughs> you have a saber toothed tiger living yeah, in your that. house. <laughs> yeah, you, you have two dinosaurs, yeah, dinosaur and a saber toothed tiger that live in your house, but you're afraid. You have a giant snapping turtle that you use as a mower. You've domesticated a giant. You've snapping got a turtle. woolly mammoth as your shower. <laughs> You're bathing in snot water. <laughs> but you're afraid of what's knocking in the woods. Oh, I think uh, that's what makes this cartoon so great. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there you go. So what, what's on your list of good? What makes this, uh, what fits your good? Well, you know, quotient? good, I always, I'm always partial to the voice acting because the voices mm. were great. Yeah. And, and they were truly acting. You know, it wasn't a, you know, we've had some doozies. Just these people had no business being a voiceover actor and these guys were great i mean yeah. some of the greats are in here obviously yeah, absolutely and i thought that the script writing the the monologues and the the dialogue is were awesome mm-hmm. yeah i agree i mean i think the i think the longevity of the show speaks for itself that sure. it's lasted this long but it's it's very clever the sight gags the you know the play on words that they mm-hmm. do throughout the series it's just like and they do such a good job of leaning into that that quote-unquote modern aspect right. of it it's just like a really kind of kind of having fun with it and it just you add to yeah that that clear honeymooners influence where once they found their footing with it and you're like okay we don't have to be like this really combative you know relationship between fred and wilma it can be a little bit more they have disagreements yeah. but it's not and clearly they love <laughs> each it's other. not brutal it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really kind of came into its own you just kind of yeah, and, and I'd like how they leaned into contemporary pop culture, too. Sure. That, that gives me that added level of appreciation that I didn't have before. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and as an adult, I understand. Yes. Now. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. As a kid watching it, I'm like, God, what? Yeah. <laughs> it was just, okay, everyone does that. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. What about the bad? The Great Kazoo. <laughs> I could have guessed. The Great Kazoo. The Great Kazoo and... You didn't like the Great Kazoo. Uh, no. <laughs> Grey Kazoo and early Fred, the season one Fred. Yeah, the, was a jerk. Yeah, the yeah. He basically tried to scam his best friend Barney into building a pool for him. <laughs> yeah. Right, that was the first episode, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was terrible. Yeah, he was totally taking advantage of his friend. Yeah, but his he, friend outsmarted him. <laughs> yeah, and he does it throughout the, the uh, especially the first. Yeah, I mean throughout the series, yeah. but yeah, that first season, it's all just like how you know. Yeah, he tries to take Barney's helicopter yeah. invention away from him. Yeah, he's a Loudmouth braggart who's just really border like i said borderline unlikable mm-hmm. and uh yeah the the once they cleaned like kind of softened him up it, yeah. it made the series so much so much better yeah the bad for me was the t- i couldn't understand the timeline <laughs> like where are these people when are these people i just i couldn't get it and now i still don't i'm even more confused now <laughs> so did you have any ugly no you know not really mm-hmm. i mean there Obviously, there were the the stereotypical gender roles with, you know, Fred and Barney work and Betty and Wilma stay at home, Mm -hmm. which was a sign of the 50s, you know, but not really overtly. I mean, Mm -hmm. those women ran the household. Yeah. You know, Fred and Barney did what Wilma and Betty said they should do, (laughs) you know, so that was cool. I mean, those women stood up for themselves a lot. 
I agree. That's that's what the ugly I had is like, and, and they offset it by having that trope of you know the women who are ultimately like the brains behind everything. They're, yeah, they're, they're smarter than the, the husbands. They're, clearly, yeah, they yeah. talk a lot. They, you know, the the men talk a big game, and then ultimately yeah. those the women outsmart yeah. them. Yeah, the women just like are you just let them do what they're gonna do. Yeah, and we'll fix it later. <laughs> but but again, and and throughout the the course of that series, every single one of them gets themselves into trouble, and then they help each other out. Yeah, yeah, one way or another. Yeah, which so. is cool. Yeah, yeah, they're a family. Yeah, yeah, but so. Scale of zero, zero to ten. To ten. I know it's not a zero. So it's not a zero. I really, I really enjoyed the Flintstones, and like you said, the longevity of it, and they're ensconced in public culture mm-hmm. even to this day, or into pop culture until this day. You know, I mean, my kids have probably never seen an, a full episode of it, but they know who the Flintstones are. Mm-hmm. You know, just because they're everywhere, and they still sell vitamins. Yeah, by the bucket load. They do. You know, to this day, and. I I really enjoyed it, and I haven't done this very often, but I gave it a ten out of ten. Wow! Just because I I just it's just fun. Yeah. And even my struggles with the timeline make it even more fun, <laughs> you know, just because of the ridiculousness it's, of it. It's an added challenge. It is. Yeah. It's a mental gymnastics trying to watch the Flintstones. <laughs> What's wrong with John? He's very confused about the Flintstones. He's got such a glazed eye look on the TV. <laughs> it's not that deep, is it? He's taking notes. <laughs> John's so deep when he watches cartoons. He sees it at a different level. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I did not go with a 10. I, as, as much, I, I appreciate so much of what the Flintstones is, but season one, season six are... Not worth it. ...are rough enough that I, 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 I put it at an eight. Yeah. it's I still really like it, and sure. I really enjoyed watching it through. And like I said, I found like a new level of appreciation for some of it, but... Yeah, yeah, it's, sure. It's because of the great cuisine. Yeah, it's good, but I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to sit back and watch six more six seasons of it straight through again. No, you shouldn't. No, <laughs> <laughs> you'll be on a prison planet too. And, and I will say, even going back, I have a hard time remembering plot lines from most of these shows. Still, sure, even though you just even watched I just them. watched them all yeah. and like researched through it all, and I'm like, yeah, it's still not quite. They don't still aren't quite clicking. But sure, it doesn't mean I don't in, didn't enjoy, enjoy watching it. it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I think we should follow up the modern Stone Age family with the family of the future for our next episode. Oh, you're just messing with that timeline. I am. Yeah, because yeah, I want to get to the bottom of that now, too. <laughs> when was the Jetsons? When was the, the Jetsons? So I think we should watch the Jetsons. I'm on next. board. All right, we'll follow up the Flintstones with the Jetsons. That'll be super fun. Sounds good. Well, I hear, Mom, I think it's time for us to go outside. So that means cartoon time is over. I'm John. I'm Robert. And this is Toon Talk. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want more Toon Talk, you can find us on Twitter at Toon Talk Guys. Or if you've got questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email us at ToonTalkGuys at gmail.com.